Welcome to another episode of Notes from the North. This is episode 12. Today we are joined by another special guest, Josh Fry, who's a member of the draft team. We got a chance to talk to Josh about the upcoming draft for one last time. I sat down with him on Saturday morning, got a chance to hear what he sees of the Vikings' needs and how he sees the draft might be going, including a good mock draft. So we will throw it over the interview now. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, we'd like to welcome Josh. Uh, it's great to have you on Notes from the North. Uh, hit us with your background as an athlete and I guess as a sports fan too. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be able to be here. Uh, and as far as me, uh, I've, I'm a sports writer with the UFTA Sports Network. Uh, it's been my dream since I was a kid to finally get to be able to do that. So that's just really awesome. Uh, I went to college at the College of Idaho uh, down near Boise uh, for people that are unfamiliar with Idaho. I don't really blame you. Um, yeah, I ran cross country and track and field there. I was a captain my senior year. Uh, had a lot of really good memories there. I got my degree in uh, creative writing and journalism while I was over there uh, and then signed on with UFTA Sports. I talked to Joe Johnson uh, over the summer and he brought me on in August and we've been uh, up and rolling ever since then so it's been a really good time <laughs> that's inter- like so how is it that you like did you just like stumble across joe's email somewhere and then just like shoot him a note or like how did you make this connection so it's kind of the same process that we're going through right now with the uh, indeed uh job postings i found one of those shot him an email shot him a resume and he texted me back and a week later we were working together so <laughs> wow. that's yeah. that's amazing and so yeah. did you just like were you just right into writing about because I know, so I I started working with Joe and Vikings Territory and Pro PTSD in November. And by that time, you were already a seasoned vet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, did you just slide right into talking Vikings right off the hop? Or or where did you, how did you get to writing about sports? Was it just Vikings or were there other things? Um, so, what really brought my interest uh, into what they were doing over here is they wanted some general NFL, uh, some fantasy football guys to come write for the Vikings sites. Uh, so, the fantasy stuff is what really got me going. I did a few, I did like a weekly series, like my Fry's fantasy focus throughout the regular season. Uh, a few random pieces about fantasy here and there, a couple a uh, general uh, NBA or NFL stuff, uh, like my power rankings that I did every week. So right. that sort of stuff was definitely what brought me in. And then the Viking stuff is just fun on the side. So <laughs> I, I had a question actually about even just people that run fantasy stuff. Cause I feel like you've, you got, your opinions out there and you're sharing your stuff. Does it translate to any like success in your own fantasy leagues? Um, so this year definitely did not. I placed last place in both fantasy leagues that I played in. Uh, I think injuries had a lot to do with that, but also I just had some rough takes. Like I thought uh, I, well, I had Saquon Barkley, so that definitely hurt uh, him going out with that torn ACL. So that sucked. Um, and then I also just, I thought, uh, who was Tyler Boyd was going to have a breakout year for Cincinnati. That didn't really work out as well as I hoped. I thought AJ green was going to bounce back. Um, so yeah, I had a few off picks <laughs> along the way. So sports, it's uh, it can be very humbling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> and putting yourself out there as a writer. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I think you've probably had your fair share of comments. People, thinking your opinions are less than stellar and i've had mine for sure yeah it's uh, fun to go through bleacher report every now and again to see what people think <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough the last question i have for you here before we get into the like the vikings roster so 
am I you're a Saints fan right that's correct yeah unfortunately <laughs> do you do you feel like you're like an enemy because I I just I despise the Saints I I hate them more than I hate the Packers like do you do you feel like you're kind of like in enemy territory and have you reconsidered your Saints fandom at all since working with Joe um, so I did, I felt like I was in enemy territory for a little bit there. Uh, it was definitely like that first time posting in Slack, like, oh, I'm a Saints fan. That was definitely, it took me about five minutes before I actually hit send on that one, just because I was thinking about it. Um, but I mean, I, I haven't really thought my, rethought my fandom at all. Like, I mean, I don't have any issue with the Vikings. Like, obviously we definitely deserved the playoff losses after the bounty gate thing and everything. So I feel like that was just karma coming back to us. So I, I kind of feel like we're back on even territory at this point. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Sam, what what do you think here? (laughs) Do you, do you agree with that, Kyle? Yeah. Do you, what do you think? (laughs) I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't sadden me at all if every year the Saints made the playoffs and lost in some heartbreaking fashion. That I wouldn't. Mean, that would just be like, yeah, well, that's that's how it goes. <laughs> like, that's, yeah, that's like, it's kind of just what I expect at this point. So, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. At what point do the Saints start getting? Because the Vikings have a reputation for choking, for coming up short. Do the Saints have that? And at what point does that need to be attached to them? I think it's definitely already a part of it. Like okay. I've, I've thought that I thought they were going to lose to the Vikings in 2019. I had no expectations going into that game. I thought right. we were going to lose to Tampa Bay. Like I didn't think we had any shot in that one either. It's just, I, I don't think Drew Brees was good enough to lead a team down the stretch of those years. Um, and then Sean Payton's coaching at times is a little bit wacky here and there. So yeah, I, I didn't really, <laughs> I think it's already part of a Saints culture. So, all right, fair enough. Fair oh, this enough. is mission accomplished. Just got you to tear down your your Saints team, and this is <laughs> yeah. I yeah. feel really great about myself. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for having just... me on today. <laughs> <laughs> Started off high and just bring it down low. Yeah, no, it. Uh, I feel like winning a Super Bowl carries you for a few years, mm-hmm. but uh, at at this point, um, yeah, there there is a, a precedent that's being set here, but. Let's uh, we'll get into second down, and we want to talk about the Vikings' needs as the draft approaches. Uh, you followed this team closely over the past season and into the off season. So, where do you still see needs on this roster? Um, well, I think the obvious ones are the offensive line. I think people have gone through that over and over again. Um, but I think one that's kind of just gone under the radar so far is wide receiver. Um, I mean, you got a great duo in Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. Um, but outside of that, it's a really shaky roster. Like we saw against teams like Tampa Bay, the really good defensive playoff teams. Like if they can lock down those two guys, the offense is going to be stagnant. And I think they need to address wide receiver three at some point, whether it's in the draft or later in free agency. Um, and then on the defensive end, there's still the defensive line. Uh, you need another pass rusher. Obviously, Stephen Weatherly is going to be decent for you, but I think you need at least another rotational guy that can – uh, take some downs from him here and there. Um, and we'll see what happens with Anthony Barr. Hopefully he bounces back. Um, but I think linebacker could be an, ish, uh, an area that they look at in the middle rounds of the draft as well. Um, so, I mean, this team's definitely a lot better than they were uh, going into the offseason. But I definitely think there's some needs that they need to address yet. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the O-line's the big one. And they're like, there's no debating that. Anyone who follows the team, any just general NFL fan could probably tell you that. But I want to ask your opinion about, so is it 
with the wide receiver, because this is one where I'm not sure, and I thought about this. So you say, okay, we got Thielen, we got Jefferson. So we got two really, really great receivers. Wonderful. And then from there, we're concerned about wide receiver three. Okay, fine. But is it so much that we need a third wide receiver or do we need a better, uh, like a third pass catcher? And so what I, what I mean by that is, is the solution perhaps integrating Irv Smith more and or integrating Dalvin Cook more? Like, is it more so just the general pass catchers or do we specifically need a third wide receiver who's maybe a little bit better than what they currently have? I mean, you definitely could. You could probably get what you need out of Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook. Um, but I think... I still think a slot guy alongside Jefferson and Thielen will go a long way. Like in the middle of rounds of the draft, there's going to be, there's going to be some really good slot receivers that you can still get. And I think it'd be kind of silly for them not to pounce on that opportunity. Um, I wrote about uh, Jadarius Atwell uh, for one of my pieces for the draft team. And I think he could be a stud receiver on that Minnesota squad. Uh, he runs a four, two forty. Uh, he's got incredible breakaway speed. Uh, his route running is a little bit, uh, shaky here and there but when you got that I think he can be a really good deep threat for them and it just adds more to the uh, dynamic offense that they've already got right I mean someone I mean if you're in a 4-2 you're just an absolute burner exactly just, yeah <laughs> yeah that would just fit so well I think with what they what they do in that you just take the top off the defense it'd be fantastic yeah so I mean you can probably get what you need out of Irv Smith and Dalvin Cook um, but I think they're better suited in the roles that they already have. And if you can add another guy, why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah, fair enough. So then would you, if one of those elite wide receivers fall, and this is this is obviously different than the name you just mentioned, and you're talking about mid-rounds, but if one of the elite three were to fall to 14, would you be tempted to, to make the move there? I mean, I'd probably think about it for a second <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, it, why wouldn't you think about it? It'd be really fun to put a, one of those top receivers in there. Uh, but I still think the offensive line is the the thing that you got to address in this draft. I'm not super convinced that they're actually going to. We'll get into that in a bit. But I, I think that's something that you have to do. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, they're, just, they're tricky to – I mean, there's NFL trends and there's we can see kind of things and – but they often, Zim and Spielman, they, they kind of do their own thing sometimes. And, and they're kind of hard to pin down. And so, I mean, like yourself, if they don't go O-line in the first round, that won't be totally shocking. That wouldn't be completely just, what, Zimmer and Spielman didn't choose an O-lineman? What, that wouldn't at all be surprising. Um, do you, just to pivot off that a little bit, so pick number 14. Okay, and so we see we have these clear needs there's probably going to be a great player there. We can say with almost complete certainty that there will be, especially since so many quarterbacks are going to be taken high. Do you have any preference for just staying put at 14? Or would you be looking actively working the phones to try and trade down or maybe even trade up? Like, what are your thoughts about uh, their position in the draft and what they ought to do? Yeah, so I've written about this a couple times. Uh, I think if you're going to trade up, I think you got to go after Panay Sewell. I think he's a really good left tackle for you. He can cheer down that position for the next 10 years for a team uh, right. if you let him. Um, I think he's a really good talent. Rashawn Slater's really good too, but I just think Sewell's just a step above him. Uh, if you're going to trade down, I honestly think that'd be the better way to do it or to go about things just because you can still stay in the first round. You can maybe get a second round pick out of it um, and 
because there's going to be a lot of talent there too. But if you move down, I think the move is to go for Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, just because he's a super versatile guy. He can play guard. He can play tackle for you. Um, and with as many needs as the Vikings need, <laughs> that that would yeah. be a really good guy to have that can play all positions for you. Fair enough. That's um, yeah. Like I'm just like those are names. So Elijah Vera Tucker, Slater, Slater, and Sewell are probably gone. Oh, yeah. uh, by 14 in, in all likelihood i mean who knows what will happen but in all likelihood if if sewell if he gets by number five if he gets by cincinnati and starts kind of dropping down into seven eight nine range then that's maybe when would you expect minnesota to perhaps pick up the phone and at least put out a feeler i mean yeah if he gets past cincinnati like all bets are off at that point like you might as well <laughs> right yeah fair enough i um i recently did uh, for the Vikings Gazette, I recently did a like a trade down mock draft thing where I just went on to the, the PFF mock draft simulator and just ran three mocks and traded down in each one of the first rounds and just just to see uh, uh, what was available to me and how that could look. And the first one, the only team that was willing to trade with me was the New York Giants. The issue was that the New York Giants had already chosen their first round pick for that for 2021 was gone. And so I got their second round pick for 2021 and then their first round pick in 2022. If that was the situation, would you be in favor of uh, the Vikings making that move, completely trading out of the first round for this draft and then picking up just strictly future draft capital? Well, not strictly future draft capital, but getting a second this year and then that first next year. Would that be something that is advisable or would... I would prefer to stay in the first round of this draft because there is so much talent going in these first few rounds. Like it's going to be ridiculous. Like the reason that nobody knows what's going to happen is there's just so many really good guys that can change a team for you. And trading out of the first round feels like a missed opportunity. Right. Yeah. It was, if, you know, I I wouldn't have made the move based on my own, but just because I went into these, these mock draft simulators with the express purpose. Okay. Just three straight trade down whatever's available to me i'll try and make the best move and that's that and i was kind of thinking to myself okay like the new york giants it's a pretty good chance they're not going to do very well this year and so if they totally bomb and not do like i could have a top 10 pick a top five pick next year which is obviously supremely valuable and so i said okay let's still make this move but like yourself um i mean would it be fair to say in your opinion that i mean zim and spielman they're probably on the hot seat this year and so they probably need to stick around the first round would that be fair to say do you think absolutely yeah like things need to change in minnesota if they don't i i think there's a real possibility that spielman and zimmer are both gone next off season fair enough sam what do you think man well that's what i was i was thinking about that as you're saying it because at this point like a pick next year a top pick next year is obviously it's nice it's a, it's a great asset to have but like this team wants to add a piece now right? Like you want to add that impact player, especially if you're thinking like it's, it's kind of, there's a really small window here, or a small window over the next couple of years, like delaying another piece for, for a future year, even if it's say you get pick six next year. Yeah. Is that really better for your team this year than mm-hmm. like, obviously future wise, it, it makes sense, but like, I don't, what, what do you guys think? Josh, you, you go ahead start us off, man. Yeah, so I definitely think you like I said, you gotta stay in this first round. Like there's so much guaranteed talent that you can get. You don't really know what's gonna happen next year, even if it is at six. Like and 
Minnesota is in a win now situation. So future yeah. draft capital shouldn't be extremely valuable, valuable to them. I think they got to get what they can get now and just make it work. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, the six overall pick would be incredible. And then you, you partner that with their own first round pick, and you could come away with, you know, really just tremendous talent. But like Josh saying, and part of it too is like, so yeah, the, the six, I guess the six next year is more valuable than a 14th this year, probably. But that's also another year on Adam Thielen. It's another year on Dalvin Cook. It's another year on Eric Hendricks and Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith, right? And I know that like, so Hunter's still quite young, Cook's still quite young. But I mean, Kirk Cousins, you could throw in there as well. And so you kind of have this core. There really is a fair amount of talent on the roster. It is a pretty good team. They just have some holes. And so to me, you know, I made the move and kind of talked myself into it and saw that it was it was tempting in a lot of ways because you could really set yourself up for the future. But in trying to do that, it's you take away maybe one year or give yourself a lesser chance this year with those elite players that you already have. Um, and so I just can't. I can't imagine they'd be willing to make that move. Now, mind you, in the next mock draft that I did where I just wrote it down, I, I, um, I had five people looking to trade with me at 14 because Kyle Pitts fell all the way to 14. And so I had a five people pick. And so I gladly traded away, even though I was tempted to pick them. Uh, and so I trade with Miami down to 18 and picked up a second in the process. And lo and behold, Kyle Pitts fell to, to 18. That's not going to happen. I don't know how pro football focus can rationalize this, but in any case, that would be maybe the absolute perfect draft for the Vikings. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, if Kyle Pitts falls to 14, throw all draft needs out the window. And That's, just take yeah, him. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. There, there's your, there's your wide receiver three and more. Sam, what do you got? Anything else for second down? No, I, I was thinking let, let's get into third down and this is, we're excited about this. Um, we're putting Josh really on the hot seat here and, and we're, we're going through a rapid fire mock draft. So what's going to happen is I'm going to list off each of the team names. Josh is going to throw it a name. Kyle's going to write it down and uh, we'll, we'll circle back and, and ask some questions after any, any picks that are really interesting, or maybe Josh wants to explain himself a little bit uh, because this is definitely Josh putting himself out there and, and doing that. But uh Josh has guaranteed that this will be how the draft goes. Um, so uh, you can, you can put the down payment on this is, this is it. Um, so uh, Josh, is that, is oh, that that's fair? Definitely it. Yeah. That's, that's the reason Joe yeah. brought me on is I can guarantee that this is how the draft is going to go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. No, this is great. Well, and, and yeah, so Josh will just be picking until 14 till, till the, the Vikings get their their first chance at at a player. So let's start uh, at Jacksonville. I think you got to go Trevor Lawrence. Uh, do you want me to explain it all, or you? No, you you will, you can explain explain stuff at the end. I, I think that was uh, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Okay, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how about the uh, Jets? Zach Wilson? Okay, San Fran. Uh, I think they're going to go Mac Jones. All right. We'll circle back okay. on that one. Uh, Atlanta. Uh, so am I allowed to trade this pick or do I have to pick for Atlanta? Absolutely. I, I, that's the All right. Points. So I think New England is going to move up here and they're going to take Justin Fields. Huh. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I have Panay Sewell. 
Okay. Miami. Kyle Pitts. Detroit. Uh, Patrick Sertain. Carolina. Sean Slater. All right. And at nine, Denver. Trey Lance. Number 10, Dallas. Casey Horn. 11, the Giants. 12, the Eagles. Uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, 13, the LA Chargers. Christian Jarosaw. All right. And so 14, Minnesota Vikings. Quitty Page. Or Quitty Quitty Pay. (laughs) Quitty Pay. All right. All right. Kyle, do you you have anything that jumps out to you? I think my, my mic was off there. First thing I'll say is that for any listeners there who do want to put their down payment on this, probably don't because they're being sarcastic. But after that, I think when I look at this, I think the best pick, the best value, the New York Giants getting Jamar Chase at 11 is a, I think that's a dream scenario for the New York Giants, especially with their offense with Barkley coming back and then uh, Daniel Jones. And I, it's, it's totally possible. I mean, the picks you made don't seem to me particularly unreasonable by any means. Like it's, it's a totally plausible scenario. And I think the New York giants would be absolutely thrilled to have Jamar chase at 11th overall. I will say Mac Jones, a three that may very, that may be what happens. Should that be what happens? Should they pick Mac Jones at three? Absolutely not. I don't think okay. that's at all what should happen. I just, I'm just reading into the tea leaves there and, what's been reported I think that's what's going to end up happening but I think Mac Jones I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are both better than Mac Jones at this point uh, that could change in a Kyle Shanahan uh, offense in that situation over there in San Fran because they got a, real, a lot of really good players um, but at this point I don't see why you wouldn't take Justin Fields or Trey Lance above him right right that like I, for me when I think that's the that's the consensus like question mark that's coming in i feel like that's the most talked about this this there's it like in some ways it feels like there's a smoke screen of oh we're, we're picking mac jones here and then there's other times where it's like maybe this is actually shanahan's guy and i guess my thought is like how many gms out there would you trust for them to make that pick at three and be like okay like obviously they know something that we don't like shanahan like people feel like i was listening to something yesterday that we're talking about like well shanahan like maybe he knows something that that we don't or like maybe he actually sees something in here that that is actually gonna make a lot of sense with mac jones at three and like is there any team that can make that pick and you'd be like well like maybe they know what they're doing i mean i feel like well first of all i'd just like to say that i think a lot of most of the if all the gms in the nfl know more about football than i do so i'm gonna trust their draft stock a lot more than i trust mine um but i mean if somebody's gonna do that move i think San Fran is a team that I would trust. I like John Lynch. I like Kyle Shanahan. He's a he's a QB whisperer over there in San Francisco. So if there's a team that's going to make this work, it would be them. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm thinking. Is like there, there's not a whole lot of teams. Like I remember, um, well, I was thinking back a couple of years ago when when the um, Giants took Daniel Jones at six, and everyone was like, "Oh my goodness, like what are they doing?" Like the, the Giants made another mistake, and like I don't know, it's it's definitely not the worst quarterback that's been taken in the top 10 in the last little while. Like has actually been okay. And, and I guess just, there are some teams that you're like, okay, like maybe they, they, they know something here. Maybe they actually feel like this is their guy. And, and so San Fran is a team that I'm like, maybe they, maybe they have something here, but 
I I think that's just like where the intrigue is right now is, is, is what they do at that number three pick. Yeah, and I mean, as far as a smoke screen goes, like I get that in the middle of the round, but when you're at three and it's almost guaranteed that Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson are going to go two, one and two, who are, you, who are you trying to fool at number three? Like you basically can pick whoever you want and nobody can do anything about it. So I don't know if I really believe all the smoke screen uh, talk that's going on. So that's why I think that this is legit. Right. I mean, there are, yeah, like there's, I, we know 99.99% Trevor Lawrence is number one overall. And then 99.99% the New York Jets are picking a quarterback. Maybe it turns out it's probably going to be Wilson, it looks like. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it's Fields. But we can say with virtual certainty at this stage, quarterback, quarterback. And then number three, we can again, you don't make that move unless you're picking a quarterback. They, they don't trade all that draft capital unless they think that they have a franchise or a, who they believe could very reasonably be a franchise quarterback at number three. And so they've got to be, at the very least, they'd have to be confident in at least two quarterback prospects after Lawrence, right? Because then right. if the Jets pick one of their those two guys, then they know they're guaranteed to have that other guy, right? And then have their man for the next 10, 15 years, potentially. I, I love Kyle Shanahan. I, I think he's just a tremendous coach, but it's going to be very, very interesting. I personally, if to me, it's, it's Lawrence and then it's Justin Fields. But again, like Josh was saying, like, I know next to nothing about football compared to everyone who's running these franchises. And so I guess we'll see, like, but that's that number three pick. And then number four as well. I mean, so you have new England trading up, uh, that's going to, that would have to cost them a, a fair amount, wouldn't it? It would definitely cost them a lot. Uh, my rationale behind that though, is they haven't been very good at drafting in the first round anyway. So what's the point of keeping that capital? You might as well go get a quarterback that you know is going to be good. Like, right. The past nine drafts, it's been, I think they've traded away three or four times. And then they've had, you can maybe argue they've gotten their value at one or two of those picks. Like, so if you're just not going to be good at it and you can't get value, you might as well hit a home run with a guy and wait a couple of years. Right. And it's interesting, right? Like it's with the way that they've spent, I mean, they, so they underwhelmed last season and then they spent big on defense this off season. It's clear that Bill Belichick isn't content to just, put together another humdrum season like he wants to compete this year and so maybe maybe getting you know if Justin Fields falls to four maybe maybe that's uh that's the move there um at number five do you think it's basically a toss-up between Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase or would there be anybody else there who Cincinnati could legit really be tempted by I mean I think you gotta think about Kyle Pitts there too um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think him and that offense would be ridiculously good. I, at the end of the day, though, we saw what happened in Cincinnati last year. They can't protect. They couldn't protect Joe Burrow. And they need to be better at that this year. So I think they end up going with Sewell. Right. Fair enough. Sam, did you think was there a pick in that? We'll get to maybe fourteen in a moment, but in that top thirteen, was there anything that like really surprised you? No. It 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 feels like like when you're saying, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I I am curious about Denver at nine. Um, and I've heard that they've wanted, like, wanted QB. I, I don't know, like, what what are your thoughts on on what Denver does? Because I feel like they're like a team that just like really needs to do something. Yeah. So I haven't taken Trey Lance. Obviously, I think 
they can't be satisfied with the quarterback play they've got the past couple of years. Like Drew Locke was good for those three, four games that he played in 2019, I think. Uh, but since then, I mean, 2020 wasn't great. He's pretty inaccurate. And I think Trey Lance has an opportunity if he gets into Denver uh, to really just blossom into a franchise QB. I'm really high on Trey Lance. I think he's one of the best QBs in this draft. He might be the best QB in this draft when it's all said and done. Um, so yeah, I think Trey Lance at nine is a steal for them. Right. I guess that's the thing is like in this situation, you're taking the fifth quarterback off the board, which like historically isn't great. And you're using a nine pick for that, but it does also feel like maybe he is the guy that, that goes right. You just, you never know when it's all said and done. Like when you look back over the history of drafts and when quarterbacks are taken, there's not like uh, those first three that are taken are, even close to being the first three that are, are the best guys. Yeah, I mean, look at a couple of years ago. You have Mitchell Trubisky going number two, and then you have Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes going behind him. Like, there's no there's no real like certainty that just because you're picking high, it's gonna it's gonna work out for you. That right, just, and yeah. we're 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 mourning the loss of Mitchell Trubisky in the NFC uh, <laughs> North. It's it's a sad day. It's a sad day. Yeah, hey, I, I mean, at least you got to replace him with Andy Dalton. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I just every every time I saw Trubisky in the field, and this is maybe because I'm a Vikings fan, and I just have to get these small victories. But the fact that they traded up to get Trubisky and they could have had Mahomes, it just brought me endless joy, because Chicago would have been just lights out. You know, just no stopping those guys with with the way that they build their defense. Man, what a juggernaut they would have been. Yeah, uh, but and like. Deshaun Watson behind that, the offensive line over there would have been a lot better than the situation he had in Houston. Like, yep. that would have been ridiculously good to watch. Yeah, but Ryan Pace, God bless you, Ryan Pace. I hope, <laughs> I hope you get a lifelong contract in Chicago. Uh, I, I did want to ask, uh, even just as we approach that number 14 pick, is there any guys that you, let's say, because realistically, the guys that are going at the top are going at the top, but anyone from the 10 to 13 range, is there any of those guys you're like, if he was available versus uh Quiddy page um, or pay is, is, are those the guys that you would take over him? Um, so I think Christian Darisaw is a guy you'd take over Quiddy pay. If he falls that far, I don't think he will with the offensive line needs that the chargers have. Um, but if he does manage to fall to 14, I think that's a guy you jump on. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then pick 14. I've seen that a few times. I've seen uh, Quipe there. It it feels like it, it it does feel like a great value pick. I don't know if there's anything else that you like want to add to to that that uh to that draft pick. Um I mean, obviously it's probably not the ideal situation for Vikings fans. <laughs> um they might be a little bit upset about that one, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's a guy that can he can rush the passer, man. Like that's something that you still need. Uh, you got Weatherly there, and he'll he'll be swapping he'll be swapping snaps with him over there across from Daniel Hunter. So, at the end of the day, that's something that's that you need, and you got it. So, it's interesting. I, I, so I, I have no idea how this is going to go, and and pay makes a ton of sense for exactly the reasons you're saying. But then I also look at it's 2005 was the last time they chose a defensive end in the first round. And then I think so Sharif Floyd would have been the last uh, defensive lineman they chose in the first round. That would have been early 
2010s, 2013-ish range, something like that. And that really didn't work out because of um, uh, health. I think there was actually uh, issues with the surgery. But in any case, they just it just isn't something that they do a lot. Um, it'll be, but I mean, he seems really special. Like he seems like he's a great prospect, and there is a clear need. And Zimmer obviously wants to improve that defense. And so, yeah, I, if Darisaw is gone, uh, then may, maybe Pay is the one that they that they end up choosing there. Though I do wonder if uh, this kind of situation where Darisaw goes at 13, would this be maybe a situation where uh, perhaps Spielman's a little more open to that trade down possibility? I think so, yeah. Like, if they stay at 14, I think the pick is Pay, But I still think there's a possibility, like I said, they trade down to take Elijah Vera Tucker in the, right. later round, in the later of the round. Yeah, fair enough, man. Sam, what do you think? You got anything else here? No, I, I guess... I just it feels like 14 is important because you're not picking again until 73, um, and that that that's tough. So I, it does feel like it's it's an important pick. So I it is there's lots of possibilities. The the trading down does seem to make some sense. Um, trading up is a lot of like more exciting, um, but like you said, I feel there's just there's only a couple guys that it would make sense to trade up for, and the likelihood of them falling to a spot where it actually makes sense is is probably not there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, we've, we've been talking about the draft for a couple of months and I'm excited. I know the countdown is on, it's 12, uh, 12 days away. And, and so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I just want to add this last thing. Like in this scenario, I have Jamar Chase falling out of the top 10, but somebody in that group has to fall out of the top 10. And if it end, ends up being like Rashawn Slater, I think there's a big chance possibility that if he falls out of the 10, he could fall all the way to 14. Like, I don't know if the Giants, Eagles are going to jump on that. And if he's still there at 13, I don't see why the Vikings don't trade up. Just get him. Rashawn Slater, he just, again, like, I'm not I'm not grinding through hours of college film by any means, but just everything I've read suggests that he's just this super versatile, tremendous offensive line prospect. He just seems like he'd be perfect for what the Vikings want to do um, and what they need, right? And so... Man, if Slater happens to get to 14, that to me would just be tremendous. Yeah, like he's like a wide Vera Tucker, but better. Like he can play all across the offensive line. He's been a little bit, there's just been people questioning his ability to play left tackle. But even if you have to throw him in that left guard, that's still a lot better than what you got right now. So Yeah, yeah, totally. Fair enough. Then maybe, maybe final thing, and we'll get to you out of here on this, Josh. Maybe just uh, hit us with the draft team. What's going on over there? Um, for folks who maybe are listening to this who haven't, stop by the draft team. What can they expect? Uh, give us the breakdown. Yeah. So the draft that's the newest site over at Ufta sports. Uh, we're putting up draft content basically daily at this point, uh, grinding out a lot of draft profiles, mock drafts, team profiles, basically everything you need going into the NFL draft. We'll have that all covered for you. Uh, Post draft, we'll have our reactions up as well. I think we're going to plan on doing a couple live shows uh, after each round of the draft. So you can look forward to that. Check it out out at draftteam.com for all the draft needs that you have. Beautiful. Thanks, Josh, for stopping by, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Josh. All right. Well, we want to thank Josh for coming on. It was great to have him and, and great to talk draft one more time as we're entering. And this is our last episode, I guess, before the draft happens. So 
Kyle, why don't we choose a player each of, of or make a prediction of of who the Vikings end up taking? I guess this all gets thrown out the window if if there's a trade, right? Uh, but but if they stay at fourteen, who's your guy? Well, I'll say. So first off, thanks to Josh for coming on, and definitely check out his writing at Vikings Territory and Purple PTSD. But also hop over to the draft team. He and Kirby are doing some really neat work over there. So give him, uh, yeah, give him a few minutes. Check it out. I think he'll probably like it. Uh, after that, so I'll say, if they do stay at 14, I think it's a good chance they trade down. But if they do decide to stay at 14, I don't think they'll, I think Quaity Pay makes sense. I don't think that's the direction they'll go. I think they'll end up going Christian Derrissaw if he's available. And if Christian Derrissaw is not available, uh, then after that, it's a little bit dicey because I kind of think Derrissaw really fits with their needs and what they want to do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by Elijah Vera Tucker if Slater falls and Slater's the pick. But I will just, I'll take that safe, that safe bet of one of those three offensive linemen uh, of Derrissaw, Vera Tucker, Slater, perhaps if he were to fall. Yeah. You, uh, we didn't coordinate, but I was, I was going to say Derrissaw as well. Yeah. Uh, I think Derrissaw is great. It would, if, if he's there, that feels like the pick. Yeah. Like the, it's not, I don't, I don't think it's questionable. I don't know if there's anyone that would say that there is a bigger need on this team yeah. than at the offensive line. Exactly. Like there exactly. is not a single thing. And, and, like in that sense, like maybe even if he is there, I, I'm looking at a mock draft right now that has him at 13. Mock drafts are everywhere, but like mm. if he's there at 13, maybe it's even worth trading something to get up even that one pick to take him because obviously Quiddy Pay would be a great addition, but mm-hmm. offensive line is significant. And the further and further you wait to address that need, you like we you want to address someone you want to get someone that's above average you don't want to just continue yeah. to put average pieces there because you need something someone to elevate that line as it is because right now it's just it's not good enough yeah and and like the only thing like not even average but below average in a lot of instances and so where Darisaw, where you seem to be able to at 14 it seems like you're marrying need and value he's a player who warrants that high of a pick but then he also fits your team and what it needs and so to me that feels like a home run but there's a reason why i'm not an nfl general manager nor an nfl scout and so we'll see what uh the folks who know more than i do we'll see what they end up deciding yeah we we don't have that role yet maybe one day so um let's move into our odds and ends here and give a wild update we're just plugging away in the season like the biggest thing that's happened since we last talked was the trade deadline and we had talked a little bit about what the wild were going to do and they ended up standing pat uh, i think i personally agree with that it's it's not ideal i guess to stand pat and not do anything um, but it does feel like that's kind of where they're at they're still sitting third in their division pretty comfortably and so i i was actually reading an article uh from the athletic and, and dom decision was saying uh when he was talking about the wild and what they did He said, I think the issue is that they have very little elite talent and very few holes, and it's hard to fix that at the deadline. And that makes sense. There's not a whole lot of elite players that you're looking to acquire at the deadline that are much more than a rental. Uh, You've got, you don't have a whole lot of holes of where this is exactly where you need someone. The expansion draft coming is also a big factor, I think, in a lot of these teams' decisions. 
So, so that made, uh, I think that made sense. Yeah. I, I think exactly what Sam's saying. And then with what Dom was saying over at the athletic, it's not exciting, but it probably was the wise decision to just continue to proceed in the way that they're, they're going right now and get into the playoffs and see what they can do and then start to address these things post-expansion draft, try and uh, bring in elite talent, try and gather elite talent and develop your own talent uh, rather than make some sort of hasty, regrettable move at the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I think that there can be some players in free agency. Uh, I know they were actually talking, one of the rumors was that they are going to acquire Nick Foligno to play with his brother, uh, but I think that probably makes more sense doing an off-season move, especially considering what the Leafs did to, to acquire Nick Foligno. I don't think it made sense for the Minnesota Wild to do that move quite yet, but right. maybe you just wait and you sign some guys in the off season and, and see right. how everything shakes out. Right. Um, yeah. The, the other thing I was actually curious about, and this is just more, it's, it's definitely not fun, but they, they did lose nine to one to the St. Louis blues um, a little while ago. And I actually had a question Kyle, I was going to propose is like, would you prefer to lose a game nine one year. So this is your cheering for this team. Would you prefer them to lose nine one or for them to be up five one in a game and end up losing six five? Right. Yeah, I didn't uh I actually just am seeing this uh now. I didn't see this on the notes before. So I'm actually just kind of uh handling this off the cuff, which I guess is the point. Uh to me I think I would rather lose nine one. Cause that that to me then is just you know what? And this is true of any level of sport any sport any level there are some games where just whatever the case may be you just don't show up and you just didn't have it that day doesn't matter how good you are every team experiences this pretty much and so there's sometimes you just you know what burn the game film it was just an absolute awful game fine on to the next one whereas 5-1 is uh that to me is harder to get over because you played really well and had a lead that should it should emphasis on should uh basically secure the victory and you screwed it up and so that to me that keeps you up at night uh as a coach as a player as a fan and so to me i would choose the 9-1 game even though that's obviously not a very good outcome so yeah. what, what are you where are you on that yeah well i i say this as a cheering for a team that did this and blowing a 5-1 lead and, and not only just blowing a 5-1 lead but blowing a 5-1 lead to the ottawa senators who are um in that that bottom five of the league right now um i i've i've thought about it because i the the nhl is different than the nfl right if in an nfl game you get 16 now 17 games in the season and if you have one bad game that can be that can really hamper you and obviously you get a week to recover and prepare the nhl right now you got 56 games and so you got one and you, you get to play in a couple of nights and, and bounce back and, and do something. So this is obviously an NHL. Um, there's a difference within that. Yes. In terms of, in terms of understanding the league. In some ways I, I would rather the six, five, just in that, you know what you were there, you had it, you at least showed that you showed up for that game. Like to have a team that just like doesn't show up is, is not ideal. Um, when the Leafs did it, it actually wasn't that bad. Like, obviously, losing 5-1 is, is bad. Um, it's not even probably in our top five um, worst losses uh, in the last 10 years, which is actually more just an indictment on the Leaf team rather than <laughs> like, yeah. the severity That's of the fair. loss. But yeah. it is something like you were there, you 
you competed, you showed up, and the other team battled back, and and neither are ideal, uh, right? But I think even from my from my vantage point, I do want the team to show fight in in every game, and to have a team show up and just get absolutely demolished. Um, that's a that's a tough tough pill to swallow. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. But yeah. Um, any words of wisdom that you got? Yeah. So the word of wisdom, uh, and I was just saying to Sam, I've been struggling to, usually I do the word of wisdom just like very last minute, just trying to think about what I've been reading in the Bible. Uh, and I didn't, uh, for some reason when the gears were turning, I just wasn't coming up with anything at all from uh, the biblical stuff. But I've also been uh, praying through um, the book of common prayer a little bit. And uh, one of the prayers, there's a line about um, resting you know, so we who are weird by the changes and chances of this life can rest in God's eternal changelessness and finding comfort in the fact that God does not change no matter what's going on in our lives. And so personally, that's, that's a comfort to me, um, both intellectually and then spiritually and emotionally as well. Uh, and so the hop, skip and the jump to football is that uh, we're at a time right now coming on free agency, entering the draft. A lot of changes, a lot of chances, things are going on. And certainly in our world right now, there's a lot of uncertainty and change. And so it's good to find something to anchor you mentally, and emotionally and spiritually, uh, something that doesn't change. And so if it's uh, the sovereignty of God, I think Sam and I would say that is the, the best thing. Uh, but then even after that, uh, finding things that don't change and taking some comfort in that, and perhaps even taking some comfort in the fact that the Vikings are extremely cons- consistent in their ability to let us down and maybe find some comfort in the fact that <laughs> things are changing, but in all likelihood, the Vikings will let us down in the end. Set, set the bar low, hold the bar low. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and maybe they can trip over it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Josh Fry's writing at Purple PTSD, Vikings Territory, and the Draft Team. You can also find him on Twitter at FriedChicken5. That's F-R-E-Y-E-D, Chicken5. Be sure to stop by VikingsGazette.com for great Minnesota Vikings news, commentary, and analysis. The Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. We will talk with you all post-draft.